Um, as uh, I think it was President Reagan said, we're from the government. We're here to help. Surely you can't be serious. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Hello, people. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's November 28th, 2023. That was Education Secretary Miguel Cardona, who should be fired from his job immediately, and that would not be cancel culture, that would be justified culture. He is the head of the Department of Education, and he completely 180 reverse butchered that quote from Ronald Reagan, a quote that I actually often quote on this show, right? When the government shows up at your door, we're here to help, we're the government, you know you are in deep doo-doo, okay? They don't do anything well. He literally reversed it, and it was like, did he know he was doing it? Are they gaslighting us at this point? Could they all be this awful and incompetent? I honestly do not no, that actually has nothing to do with what we are doing on the program today. Uh, we are gonna be talking about Elon Musk. We are gonna be talking about the new president of Argentina, Javier Malay. We are gonna be talking about the fight against socialism and wokeism and what the media does when you fight the socialists and the woke, hint, hint, they call you Hitler and Nazi and that kind of thing. Uh, and also, if you're the bad guys right now, let's say you're the people who were raping women and you know, shooting Holocaust survivors and a whole bunch more, let's say you're like a Hamas type, they pretend you're Jesus. That's the upside down world that we live in. But I do think there is a way out of it, as I often say. I think it has a little something to do with bravery, perhaps a dash of courage, a bit of wisdom, and maybe more than anything else, something that we're all seeming uh, to forget right now, which is a pro-human mindset, right? We are constantly pushed uh, with this idea of AI and we must listen to the machine and the algorithms will tell us what to do and we will own nothing and be happy. Uh, but maybe there's something that we have to own that's inside us and we have to refine it again or at least reignite it, something along those lines. So let's just dive right back into it. The big story of last week was that Argentina elected a libertarian. Now, a libertarian generally believes that the government shouldn't do that much, that you should kind of keep what you earn and you should have property and we should have basic laws to protect property and life, but that the government shouldn't be doing all these crazy social programs and, you know, that they should kind of stay out of your way so that you can live the life that you want. That's generally the libertarian uh, mindset. Uh, if you listen to the media, of course, if you're a libertarian, they will call you far right. So Javier Malay becomes the president. He is now the president-elect, but in effect, he is the president of Argentina. And he ran on a radically anti-socialism, anti-communism, anti-collectivism, and most importantly, anti-woke movement. He wanted to get rid of all of these crazy programs that the government in Argentina had. And they've had massive, massive inflation. Their, their money is in essence worth nothing right now. And he wants to fix that. That's why he won. And I think we showed you this clip last week, but I think it'll uh, set us up nicely today. Uh, here he is with Tucker Carlson right before he became president talking about the dangers of socialism. Argentina's at the end stage of that. Argentina is now a poor country because of those policies. What advice would you give to Americans having lived it? Que nunca abracen las ideas del socialismo. 
que nunca se dejen seducir por el canto de las sirenas de la justicia social, que no se dejen atrapar por esa frase nefasta que donde hay una ansiedad nace un derecho, pero que eso no se hace solo. Para eso hay que estar preparado y hay que dar la batalla cultural día a día y que hay que tener cuidado porque ellos no tienen problema en meterse adentro del Estado y aplicar las técnicas de Gramsci, seduciendo a artistas, seduciendo, o sea, la cultura, seduciendo a los medios de comunicación eh, o metiéndose en los contenidos de la educación. Hay que tener mucho cuidado, hay que cortarles el financiamiento y hay que com hacerlos competir a la par. Y al mismo tiempo hay que concientizar a los empresarios de que es necesario que más... Milton Friedman decía que la, la función social del empresario era ganar dinero. Bueno, con eso solo no alcanza. Parte de la inversión tiene que ser invertir en los defensores de la ciudad de la libertad para que los socialistas no puedan avanzar. Putting the hair aside, which is rather over the top, notice he calmly explains his ideas. As I always say, he's not genuflecting and screaming and doing any of the ridiculous LARPing acting that, say, an AOC or an Ilhan Omar or the rest of them do. He's calmly explaining his ideas. Oh, we should do things so that the market is free, so that a small businessman can go and do what he wishes. And we should take away money from programs like gender in sports and all of these other things which he's doing right now. He then quotes uh, Nobel Prize winning economist Milton Friedman. Uh, Milton Friedman, who, by the way, was on the front page of the New York Times as one of the leaders of the alt-right alongside me, Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson. Oh, and Thomas Sowell. So you see the way they treat people who just, if you believe in freedom, somehow that makes you far right. And the implication there is that then you are racist and everything else. But he's calmly laying out his ideas. And what people who want to control you fear the most is people who understand the basic tenets of freedom. That's how it works. Uh, so here he is now also explaining the ridiculousness of how the media operates when it comes to people who have kind of good ideas. ¿En qué locura estamos viviendo? La locura de la corrección política estúpida, donde básicamente, no, si ustedes no recitan el socialismo cool, si ustedes no son woke, entonces son violentos, son un peligro para la democracia. Vamos, muchacho. Seguro. Sigamos con estas estupideces y, y en lugar de ser 140, vamos a hacer la villa miseria más grande. Do you think there are more important things than whether we should turn five-year-old girls into boys? and whether we should constantly debate whether the founding of our countries are good or anything else? Do you think we should have serious uh, conversations about how we can do economics right, how we should protect our borders, how we should protect our culture and everything else? That is now what he is importing into Argentina. And I suspect that Argentina is gonna start turning around when you, it's not give exactly, I was gonna say give, but when you create a culture that will allow people to flourish 
And suddenly they start realizing, boy, I went to work today and I received this check and I have a little bit more of my money because my money didn't go to intersexual lesbian badminton. Uh, that's nice. And now I can spend a little bit more of that money. Do you want to go out to dinner tonight? And then what happens is you go out to dinner and the guy who owns the restaurant is like, boy, there's more people in my restaurant. I think I'm going to hire another chef. And then the guy who wasn't working suddenly has a job as a chef. And he's like, oh my God, I have a job. You know what I'm going to do? Honey, do you want to go on vacation? And then the chef and the wife go on vacation. And the guy who owns the resort, you guys get the point. That's how capitalism works. And that's what's gonna start happening in Argentina. Now I have no doubt, at the same time, the machine as it exists and the WEF and all of that stuff and the elites and the globalists, they're gonna to try to figure out a way to screw over Argentina. There's no doubt about that, right? They can't have an experiment of freedom actually start working. Uh, so we will see how that fight goes, but I think we have a little hope here. And now let's talk about shaving your genitals because uh, Manscaped is the, uh, how I, it was the best I could do with the, with the, I'm trying. Guys, Mary Ballsmiths. <laughs> Mary Ballsmiths from our friends over at Manscaped. The holidays are approaching, but what if I told you that celebrations are starting early this year? It turns out the perfect gift does exist, and who else to bring it down your chimney than the leaders in the waist, in below the waist grooming? <laughs> Keep calm and let your balls jingle this season with Manscaped's brand new performance package 5.0 Ultra, featuring the new Lawnmower 5.0. Watch all your wishes and mistletoe kisses come true. Look nice when you're going naughty by going to manscaped.com and using code Dave for 20% off plus free shipping. Unwrap the gift of smoothness this season with Manscaped. Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0 Ultra is the ultimate bundle for the man who deserves it all. Included in this special sack is the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, the Weed Whacker 2.0 Ear and Nose Trimmer, Manscaped liquid formulas, uh, formulations, and two free gifts. Who's complaining? Not this guy. The Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra Body Trimmer and the Nose Weed Whacker 2.0 and Hair, Ear and Hair Trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin safe technology to protect your delicate presence. Now that you've groomed the candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Crop Smoother, the Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion and Crop Preserver Anti-Chafe Ball deodorant. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. The gift of Manscaped doesn't stop there. Two free gifts that come with this bundle are Manscaped's Boxers 2.0 Premium Underwear and the Shed 2.0 Toiletry Bag. Once you're done shaping up, it's only right you put your pants presents in the best wrapping of all the Boxers 2.0. These are seriously the best boxers I've ever worn. In fact, I'm wearing them right now. Get 20% off and free shipping at Code Dave. We use Code Dave at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use Code Dave. Jingle balls are ready for the holidays. <laughs> can we just, can we pick this up tomorrow? <laughs> All right. Pull yourself together, Dave. Just a second, everybody. Here's the media labeling Javier Malay as a far-right extremist. 
A far-right outsider compared to former President Donald Trump has been elected to president of Argentina. Coming from the far-right, Javier Malay. A far-right politician. The far-right politician. Far-right candidate. Far-right outsider. Extreme right-wing. Malay is just way out there on the extreme scale. Argentina has elected a right-wing populist. Right-wing populist. Right-wing populist. Javier Malay is a populist who lacks government experience and displayed erratic behavior and foul language. This is a, a potentially a worrisome development. He's promised uh, some radical measures. Wielding a chainsaw to symbolize his war on government spending, threatening vital public services. He has absolutely no experience. His screeds resonated widely. His screeds resonated widely with Argentines. Particularly young men. Malay's controversial tirades against the political class have drawn comparisons to neighbor Brazil's former president, Jair Bolsonaro as well as former President Donald Trump. He has been deemed the Donald Trump of Argentina. Malay's campaign drew comparisons to Donald Trump's here in the U.S. Malay, who has been compared to former President Donald Trump. You can guess who congratulated him by saying, make Argentina great again. Make Argentina great again. Maybe these anti-democracy forces will, in the end, uh, get overwhelmed. But that didn't happen in Argentina, not even close. All right, you guys see what they do. They do it over and over again, but listen to just some of the words. He's a populist. Well, populist generally means popular. The people are kind of into you. That's pretty good sometimes, I suppose. He's erratic. He's worrisome. He holds a chainsaw. Jesus. He's going to cut vital public services. What's hilarious is as they're talking about the vital public services that he's cutting, we showed you that video. He goes across this board and literally he's cutting out like gender, sports gender equity programs, vital public services. He has screeds. That sounds like a scary word, screeds. He's, uh, young men love him. Uh-oh, there's nothing worse than young men. And who the orange man, Donald Trump. And then, of course, anti-democracy forces with Joe Scarborough at the end. All the guy is is a libertarian. You might not be a libertarian. We could all argue about what the role of government is. And maybe some people think that there should be a little more social service. Or maybe you should have some level of a uh, progressive tax, let's say. I don't really believe in that. I think a flat tax would be fair. Uh, But... Like you can have some arguments about that, but instead of making any arguments against this guy, there's no reason to believe that he's racist. There's no, because when they say far right, that's what they mean. It's all they mean is racist. Now they're not coming out and saying it because he hasn't said anything racist, but they have to combine him with Donald Trump and everything else. Anyway, we thought we'd show you a couple of the headlines in the last couple of days about him. This is from Jacobin, which is a socialist magazine. Uh, Meet Argentina's free market authoritarian president-elect Javier Malay. Wait, free market authoritarian. Free market, that means freedom. An authoritarian, that's the reverse of freedom, so that does not work, okay? Uh, Here's from The Guardian. Uh, Trump and Bolsonaro salute Javier Malay as far-right rejoice around the world. Again, far-right, the implication is he's somehow racist. Here's the New York Times. Argentina elects Javier Malay in victory for far-right, oh God. And CNN, far-right outsider Javier Malay wins Argentina's presidency. Again, if you want to do this honestly, media, and I know you don't want to do it honestly, and all you have to do is not be just abjectly, completely horrible. You can be about 80% horrible, and the people will keep swallowing the nonsense. Just don't be totally horrible, but I know we're past the point, right? We've 
through the uncanny valley were on the other side. All you'd have to say is libertarian, free market guy, Javier Mar uh, Malay. That would be fine. Guy who's a little different than us. How about that? But instead he's far right. So why am I showing you this? There is a reason, believe it or not. It's to demonstrate how evil and demented, demented and twisted the media is when it comes to you. Because it's never about these people. It's never about Donald Trump or Javier Malay or any of these people. It's about you. They will lie and slander and attempt to destroy you. But we never ask ourselves, should we listen to these people? Why are we listening to these people? We're not sure anymore. They had so much control over our culture and our information and our news and our current events that we've been programmed to listen to them. And I constantly, it's one of the things I talk about on the show and that we have an internal debate here about all the time. How much should we show you of the mainstream media, right? Like debunking their nonsense is good, but at the same point, people are tuning out. So maybe we should start ignoring them. I, that's a good debate to have and I'm open to your thoughts on that. But I want to show you a, a video of Dana White from the UFC. He's the president of the UFC. We've shown a couple of his clips uh, over the last couple of months. Uh, here he is just going off on the media and he nails it perf perfectly. And again, he's not, he's not a politics guy. He's not a politician. He's a, now running a fighting organization, but he gets it better than most of the pundits, I would say especially the media. If the media tells you you've got something that, that's going to fail, it's definitely going to win. The media are the <laughs> dumbest, know nothing, do nothing, never built nothing motherfuckers on planet Earth. So when they say it isn't going to work, you got a home run, man. You know what I mean? Just jump in and grind. The, the, the media, these guys think about who these people are. When you really think about the media, who are they? Where did they come from? Why does their opinion matter? What have they ever done? What have they ever created? What have they ever built? Who's ever depended on a paycheck from the media? Nobody. They are a bunch of fucking zeros that sit around and write stories about people who are actually doing True, right? Like we all know it's true. What does the media actually create other than chaos? Look at Elon Musk. We're going to do some stuff about Elon in the second half of the show, but look at just the last year with Elon Musk. For the 10 years before that, Elon was the hero of the media, right? He was sending rockets to Mars. He was building electric cars. He was doing all of this cool stuff. Then, and everyone loved him. Then he started to take some positions that were a little against the media, mostly related to free speech, which is ultimately why he bought Twitter. Uh, this is a guy who, by any estimation, is still a, I would say, old school liberal for the most part. And now they hate him. And now they're constantly worried about, say, child porn on Twitter, which is an important thing to worry about, but they didn't care about it before he had Twitter, right? So everything they do is to destroy the people who create. Why do they go after Jordan Peterson? He's helping people take care of their lives. Why do they go after anyone who creates anything? Because that's where the clicks and the views are. And if people start realizing that you don't need the government to build your business, and you don't need the government to educate your kids, and a whole bunch more than, uh-oh, then they're gonna be out of business, and they're not in the business of being out of business. So why should we care? Well, we shouldn't intrinsically care. They are of no value. I think you guys are coming around to that, right? You get it. But their lies, their contortions, their confusions 24-7 that they spread out globally 
have everybody flipped on things backwards. So now back to the mainstream media for a second, a little bit from the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. They have former Senator Claire McCaskill. She's now a contributor to the mental institution. Uh, and here she is explaining that uh, Donald Trump is even more dangerous a lot of people have tried to draw similarities between Mussolini and Hitler and the use of the terminology like vermin and the, the, the drive that those men had towards autocracy and, and dictatorship. The difference, though, I think makes Donald Trump even more dangerous, and that is he has no philosophy he believes in. He is not trying to expand the boundaries of the United States of America. He's not trying to overcome a neighboring country like Putin is in Ukraine. He is not going for some grandiose scheme of international dominance. All he wants is to look in the mirror and see a guy who's president. So for those that believe that they have issues with President Biden, and I'm not saying that you don't have issues, I'm just saying that you should have a few more issues with the person that literally wants to ban Muslims in this country. He has always tried, he's already tried it before, and he said that he will do it again. Oh, Lord. All right, well, McCaskill first, and then we'll deal with that girl. Uh, McCaskill says that Trump is more dangerous than Hitler because Hitler wanted to do a whole bunch of stuff. He wanted to make Germany bigger, right, you know, and uh, expand and kill a lot of people. But Trump's worse because he doesn't want to do any of that stuff. He just wants to look in the mirror. The analysis of that that they offer on that televised mental institution is just, it's, it's so extraordinary that that, I mean, I really believe it, that 20 years from now, when we're past all of this, I don't know if Earth will be here. We're just going to be floating around in pods, going wandering throughout the galaxy. With God, pray that that's where we're at, because otherwise it's going to be much worse. Uh, we're, they're going to be studying that. They're going to be studying these crazy people. Uh, again, I have a zillion frustrations with with Trump, and I think if he becomes president again, it's just not going to work, and all of the stuff. But it's like, yes, lady, that all he wants, he wants to do everything that Hitler did, but not the stuff that Hitler did, but he's still like Hitler and he mostly wants to look in the mirror. And then that other woman, I don't, I don't know, who is that other woman? Does it even matter? Just another one of these MSNBC generic people, Trump with the Muslim ban. By the way, when Trump did the quote unquote Muslim ban, it didn't include the top seven most populous Muslim countries. It was specific countries that terrorists were coming from. It was not uh, Muslim related specifically. Anyway, let's continue because there's more over on MSNBC. Eric Swalwell, you remember Eric Swalwell? He's the guy who farted while he was on Chris Matthews' show. He also slept with a uh, Chinese spy who I think just died out of nowhere, didn't she? I'm pretty sure Fang Fang died. We can, all right, they're gonna fact check me on that one. Uh, but he did sleep with a Chinese spy and that was known by everybody and he's still in Congress, so what are you gonna do? Uh, anyway, listen to him uh, pontificate on how much things would be worse if Donald Trump was president right now. And I also like to step back uh, when I see some of the heat President Biden is taking and think, what would the alternative be? If Donald Trump was reelected or if Donald Trump was president at this time, can you imagine what the scenario would be in the Middle East. It would probably be the United States and Israel in a World War III-like scenario with Iran, Hezbollah, and Hamas. President Biden has not sent a single American into the conflict, but he is now pulling American hostages out of the conflict. We're supporting Israel. We're getting aid uh, into the region. So far, we've held off other enemies of Israel and America. That's why President Biden was elected. And, and that's why I think he needs to be given, you know, the room uh, to negotiate, you know, what is ultimately a resolution to this conflict. 
He farted on MSNBC once, and I would say that that is just a sort of verbal fart, what he just said. It's complete, complete nonsense. We had peace under President Trump. We had the Abraham Accords. We had the embassy moved to Jerusalem. We had these things under control. We killed Soleimani so that Iran suddenly was like, oh boy, that orange guy, he's kind of nuts. If we do some th stuff, it might cause a problem. Who knows what he's gonna do? It was the weakness of this administration. It was releasing $6 billion to the Iranians that instigated, we know this for a fact, that instigated everything that Hamas did. And we are, it's fairly obvious, we are far closer to a massive, bigger conflict in the Middle East and worldwide now, I would say, under Joe Biden, then under Donald Trump, and they still have American hostages. I believe we did get back one uh, American yesterday. The Israelis got one dual citizen of Israel and America back yesterday. But I wanted to show you something uh, because this video, we just put this short up yesterday and I think, and we weren't even planning on showing this and then I saw the swallow clip and I was like, boy, that, that's a perfect segue right there. Uh, you may remember about six months ago when we were in Israel and we were in Jerusalem and we interviewed a couple people, but I interviewed, uh, well, he's now former ambassador to Israel uh, from America, David Friedman. And uh, watch him talk about Trump's policies in the Middle East, and then, uh, right, that's the one we're showing right now. Trump's policies in the Middle East, and then let's contrast that with where we're at now. In less than a year, the president recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and then uh, May 14th uh, of uh, 2018, exactly five years ago, this coming May 14th, which is also Israel's uh, day of independence, we opened up our embassy. And, you know, the entire world predicted that this would create Endless wars and untold uh, violence, and, and it really didn't. Not at all. No, there was basically nothing. Bas basically nothing, and you know why? That's the other reason why it will never be a two-state solution anymore, because it's no longer just about, you know, drawing borders and figuring out, you know, the details. It's about, can we ever again trust these people to be our neighbors in, in ways that they can never do this again? So you see what we did there with that short, obviously the, the last 10 seconds or so there, that was from my interview with David Friedman right in this room last week. So we went from six months ago talking about all the good things that were happening in the Middle East, right? And they were good things. And, and they were about a week away, had October 7th not happened, they were about a week away from signing this peace deal with Saudi Arabia, which now obviously has been completely shredded. Point is that where we are at right now, there's no nothing close to a two-state solution. By the way, I was I personally was never for a two-state solution. There were the two-state, the very concept of two-state solution is completely ridiculous because it's really a three-state solution because you'd have Israel proper, you'd have Gaza and the West Bank, which are not connected. So you'd just be creating two two separate terrorist outposts. So and, and that would be three states, right? You just can't have them just like bisecting Israel. But anyway, the point of all of that is that there were, uh, we had an administration that had good policies, and now we have an administration that has bad policies, policies that everyone is now seeing the repercussions of, and yet uh, they are still calling Trump Hitler, and they're going out of their way to portray Hamas and the, their terrorist buddies as the good guys. So now I wanna show you this. This is from the New York Times. This is just, abs well, I'd say it's wild or it's shocking or something, but none of it is anymore with the New York Times. Check out this headline from the New York Times. A disfigured woman whose case has become well-known is among Palestinians released. And that woman, you can see her face. She's She's been burned and badly butchered. And the implication there, if you just read the headline, is somehow that the Israelis 
did that to her. But as uh, the Twitter account points out properly above, this disfigured woman is a car bomber who having blown herself up in an attempt to kill Israelis demanded that Israelis pay for her plastic surgeries. This is how the New York Times covered her release. So yes, she went to a checkpoint, blew up her car, mangled her face. The Israelis did give her at least some level of surgery and they put that up. And wait, can you put it back for just a second? Because even if you look under the headline in the New York Times, let me read that part. Perhaps the most well-known name on the list of 39 Palestinian prisoners and detainees released from an Israeli jail early Sunday was Isra Jabari, who was accused of attempted murder by Israel and has been in jail since 2015. She wasn't accused of attempted murder. She tried to blow up her car and it blew up her face instead. But you guys get it. This is exactly what the New York Times does. It used to be all the news that's fit to print. Now it's all the news that Hamas makes up in essence. Uh, here's CBS, because it's happening all across. You know, the Jews have really lost control of the mainstream media. I thought the Jews controlled the mainstream media. Totally lost control. Uh, here's uh, CBS basically celebrating the release of ha Hamas terrorists. And listen to the, the way they frame this, just extraordinary. Israel says the minors it's releasing as part of the truce are terrorists. <laughs> But Palestinian leaders say they're just children held for what other countries would regard as civil disobedience offenses like attending protests. The plight of prisoners is a deeply felt issue for Palestinians. According to a recent UN report, around one-fifth of the population of five million has spent time in Israeli jails. Among those released is Norhan Awad. She was 16 years old when she was arrested in 2015 for the attempted stabbing of an Israeli man. Now 24, she denies the charges. Oh, guys, she was a cute... It, that's the video. She has a fucking cleaver and she's trying to chop someone's head off, you morons. Well, we're not getting monetized today, guys. Sorry, no lunch. Um, but it never stops. It never stops, right? By the way, the other people, that the children that Israel released, these are people who were stabbing people, shooting people, trying to ram cars into people, right? All of these things. Hamas literally right now still has a six-month-old baby assuming that the baby is alive. Like that, that is the difference here. Anyway, uh, let's go to go over to The View. We haven't shown you a clip of The View in the last uh, week or so. Uh, Sonny Hostin, here she is, racist, leftist, wokester, possibly the most unlikable, dishonest person on television, Sonny Hostin. Uh, here she runs cover for Hamas the exact way that these last two things that we showed you have done. It's unfortunate that people have um, taken such sides here because this is something that has been going on yeah. for decades, right? And um, we did show the re reunification of, of Jewish families, and I think that was really important, especially little Ab Abigail. I'm a mother. Um, I can't imagine having your, your, your child taken from you and held oh, yeah. hostage by a terrorist organization. But we also, there were, you know, 76 Palestinians including women and children that were being held in Israel with no understanding of why they were being held, no administrative hearings. And so those, um, those reunifications are something that we should also be looking at and talking about. She's evil, like she is just evil. I can't say what I wanna call her, but you know what I wanna call her, she is just evil. The, the trying to make the moral equivalence 
between these people. She's also lying that there was no trials for these people. There are trials for these people. They, there is videotape of people stabbing people and the litany of things. We all know that. And that, that she opens it up by saying, it's unfortunate we have to take sides. You amoral, vapid. Here's another clip of Sonny Hostin. Um, I think that you're absolutely right, Whoopi. Is, what is media next? allowed in Gaza? Yes, there yeah. is media in Gaza. There is? I've seen these videos. I try to watch the BBC. I try to watch Al Jazeera. CNN. I try to get my news. CNN. CNN. Yeah. CNN. Yeah. I, try to, I try to get my news everywhere, because I, and I think everyone should. Um, and I, I think what's really important is what happens after this pause, because mm -hmm. a ceasefire apparently is a bad word now. Mm -hmm. So what happens after this humanitarian pause? Who is in charge? Who isn't in charge? Are we going to continue seeing this devastation in, in, in Gaza? Are we going to continue seeing these three Palestinian kids going, college kids, one who knows my son's friend, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, when is that going to stop? When are we going to really meet at the table and understand that all lives in this situation are being affected yeah. and we must have a two-state solution? Yeah. No, you dimwit. Um, first, oh my God, somebody knows her son. Somebody was, some, her son has a friend. I'm sorry for her son, for his mother. Um, you cannot have a two-state solution in the aftermath of what just happened. And I already explained partly why geographically it makes no sense. The, the cause of the entire Palestinian movement is only to kill Jews. They have been offered states six times. There has been no Jew in Gaza since 2006. The Israelis want nothing to do with the place. She's, she's, she's dumb, she's, it's dumb and she's evil. And I don't know what to do with these people. I really do not know what you do with these people. Uh, and what they are doing is they are causing anguish and despair for decent people. Uh, so now here is a decent woman. Uh, this is an Israeli citizen uh, right outside the Western Wall, which of course, it, people always say it's the holiest site in Judaism. It's actually the second holiest site in Judaism because the holiest site in Judaism is the Temple Mount, which is right above where she's standing. It's gonna be right out of camera. They don't let Jews pray there. Israel does not allow Jews to pray on its, on its holiest spot in the world, in Jerusalem, uh, because they don't want to upset the Muslims. And the Jews are supposed to be the bad guys here. Uh, anyway, so the, she's at the Western Wall, and uh, well, here's someone actually kind of laying out some truth. The hostages have been underground in Gaza for 32 days! I cry out to every single person here and every single person on the planet to make it your mission to free these souls, 240 souls. They are from 33 different countries. Their ages range from nine months to 85 years old. They are Jews, Christians, Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. They are human beings and they need you. The world, the world leaders, the Israeli leaders, they need you to save their lives. In the Torah, in the Bible, we are told in the book of Leviticus, in the book of Vayikra, in chapter 19, verse 16, you are forbidden to stand idly by while your neighbor's life is in danger. I am God. Each of us one day is gonna die and face our maker. We will each be asked to account for the deeds that we did in this world. 
We will each be asked if we stood idly by. What will you answer them? Bring them home now. So yeah, you do have to pick a side. I'm sorry, Sonny Hostin. Who's laying out more truth, Batwoman or Sonny Hostin over at The View, right? You have to pick a side. 33 countries have citizens held in Gaza right now. As she pointed out, Jews, Christians, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, everyone should care about this because this is the fight that the West now has on its hands because it will be coming to all Western nations. If you think that a certain set of people, because of whatever their perceived grievances, is allowed to do the most unspeakable things, unspeakable things. Do you know that there's video now, it's been seen by several reputable journalists, that on October 7th, they literally dismembered a pregnant woman and took the fetus out of her that was still alive, and they made her look at it until she bled out, and then, and then of course, the, the fetus, the baby died as well. That's what they did. And if you think that that can be excused, if you think that it's tough to pick a side when it comes to that, there is something seriously wrong with you. And I think we do have to accept that there is something, there is a serious mind virus in the West and there, are, there is something seriously wrong with a lot of the people that we put on television and a lot of the people that we send to colleges and a lot of the people that we have teach those college students. Uh, one of the interesting things now is as more of this video is coming out, um, there has just been no condemnation of Hamas by any of these quote-unquote feminist organizations. I wanted to read to you a tweet from Yashar Ali, who's, who's an actual journalist. I don't have to use uh, quotes around. He's, he's talking about a, a Washington Post article here. He's quoting a Washington Post article. He didn't pick up his pants. He shot her while inside her. You can figure out what that means. There was humiliation through rape on the morning of October 7th a harrowing story about sexual violence faced by women in Israel at the hands of Hamas terrorists. So more and more stories are coming out. I do want to show you a bit of good news because here are 50 of the Israeli hostages that have been released in four days. And you can see a lot of old women there. You can see a lot of children there. So some of these families are being reunited and that is a miracle and this will not stop until every single one of them have been reunited and Hamas is wiped off the face of the planet, which that's the side I'm gonna pick. Sorry, Sonny Hostin, I know that's, you know, you kind of say they don't wanna pick a side, but you have picked the side actually. Um, anyway, here's a video of women and children who had been held hostage by Hamas uh, reuniting with family. Well, can't pick a side, Sonny Hostin. Notice how different the, uh, the reaction is, the emotion is. Uh, when the Israelis get their children and wives and mothers and grandmothers back, there's, there's quiet. 
there is peace. There is, it's, it's actually unspeakable, right? That's just one of many videos that are now out with this sort of thing. You know what happens on the other side when the Palestinians get their martyrs back? They're firing rockets, they're chanting, we want more, we want more death. They're joyous, they're handing out candy because they're just waiting for the next round to do all this. And they, it is joyful for them if they kill more people. So if you cannot pick a side, Sonny Hostin, again, you already have picked a side. Uh, speaking of a guy who picked a side, th this one's kind of disappointing for me personally because I've played a couple videos of this guy over the past uh, five or six months in a somewhat positive vein, because I think he's done some nice things. I'm talking about Andrew Tate, uh, who's former MMA guy. Um, and he's done some nice things as it, uh, as it pertains to men kind of getting their lives right and you know standing up for yourself and sort of some of the Jordan Peterson-esque stuff. So we've played some videos of him. Uh, anyway, he's really come out uh, on the wrong side of this Hamas-Israel situation. And Piers Morgan, who I have some frustrations with because he kind of kind of takes every side of everything, but, but I, I like to give credit where credit is due. Uh, he sat down with Andrew Tate and did, just like, remember a couple weeks ago, he tried to get uh, Jeremy Corbyn, former labor leader in the UK, to just say, hey, is Hamas a terrorist organization? He had asked him 15 times and Corbyn refused to answer. Watch what happened with Piers Morgan and uh, Andrew Tate. What do you think of, of what Hamas did on October the 7th? Why are you starting the story in the middle? Let me ask you again. It's a simple question. Do you believe Hamas are a terror organization? And that's a very interesting question, but I think you're peddling asininities. Well, just answer the question. Can somebody do me a favor? Google asininity. Are they a terror group? You're peddling asininities because I'll tell you why, Pierce. Let me answer the no, question. No, I'm not. Of course you it's are. It's a simple question. That's people. Is that going, Israel did? going through a border on October the 7th. Oh, October the 7th. Uh, massacring. Young people at a festival, killing babies. Oh, killing it was 40 the most... babies, that was true. Well, fine. Were the babies vaccinated? Why are you being flippant? I'm not being flippant. The point I am making... I don't making... find that funny. No, but the point I am making is that the media lies, firstly. No, Secondly... No, I... the... What is your reaction to what happened on October the 7th? Sure. I would be an amateur if I could not sit and pretend I do not understand the motivations behind either side. I still call the Israeli actions absolutely abhorrent and genocidal. Okay, we're going... In terms of what Hamas did on October the 7th, do you accept that was an act of terrorism? It's an interesting question because once It's not again, really. It is. No, it's a very straightforward. Nothing justifies what happened on October the 7th. So what are they Nothing. supposed to do? Nothing. So what are they supposed to that do? Was a, my question for you is why can't you, which is my position on this, is very straightforward. What Hamas did was an act of terror. And to try and pretend they're not makes you sound like Jeremy Corbyn. And I can't think of a worse insult to throw at you, right? So <laughs> I, don't I just want to ask you one more time. Is what Hamas did on October the 7th an act of terrorism? I think, Pierce, it is peddling asininities for you. To so you sound like Jeremy Corbyn. No, now. let me answer the question. 15 times he refused to answer the let question. Let me answer the question. You're now up not, if you lie, Are they a terror group or not? They're one team's freedom fighter and they're deemed a terrorist What do group. you think? I think that if you lock people in an open air prison and steal their land, they're going to retaliate. So they're not a terror group? I think they're going to retaliate. They're not a terror group? One team's terrorists is a Okay, we're now up to fighter. about eight. Are they a terror group? And also, another thing I want to make clear to you, Peter. Only Jeremy Corbyn has done this. Done what? Refused to answer the question. I think that what they are doing is seemly deemed an act of terror by the people that the terror... They're not use weaselly words. They're not weaselly, of course. One more time, is Hamas a terror group who committed an act of terrorism. 
I think that when you lock people in an open air prison, you're going to have okay, to you're not going to answer. retaliation. You're not no, because answer. I have to. There's Come on, you're saying. I think it's spineless. Sure. As a realist, sometimes you do not come to the conclusion of labeling good guys and bad guys. The world is not black and white. Oh, you, oh no, Hamas no, are bad guys. No, the world is not black and white. The world is actually very gray. Mm. Anybody who sits and thinks there's nothing clearly gray a good about guy, what, there's nothing there's gray about what Hamas did. No, clown, you are completely wrong. Isn't it interesting? Sonny Hostin, it's so unfortunate we have to pick a side, right? And then what did he say? Oh, the world is not black and white. There aren't good guys and bad guys. This is what the collapse of sanity and decency and truth will do. People will not know whether murdering four-year-olds and 85-year-olds and raping women in front of their dying husbands, whether that is good or bad, or whether there's any situation when it is excusable. He also, of course, calls Gaza an open-air prison and says that they stole their land. Mind you, there has never been a Palestinian state, and before 1967, Gaza was part of Egypt, and before that, it was part of the British Empire, and before that, it was part of the Ottoman Empire, and we can go back and back and back and back and back. Um, I know you get all that, but I want to focus on this open-air prison comment for just a second, because there is an incredible video that was going viral, two, this is two or three days ago, uh, on Twitter, posted by a pal someone who purports to be a Palestinian journalist. And his tweet, in essence, said, I wish we could have the Gaza back from before October 7th. Now, how long is this video? What did we cut from it? All right, so we're going to show you about 30 seconds of Gaza before October 7th. Take a look. So that's the open air prison. That's the place that was so horrible. By the way, it was a three minute video in, in totality that he posted. It started going viral because people like me started retweeting it and saying, boy, that's quite an open air prison. So do you know what that Palestinian journalist did? He deleted that video. We were able to screen capture it and grab it, but that video is no longer on Twitter because he realized once, a, once the truth was shined on it, how ridiculous it was. So that open air prison, boy, that place was so freaking horrible and not a Jew there since 2006, right? Uh, it was so freaking horrible that that is what allows Andrew Tate to say that yes, uh, murdering pregnant women is pretty much your only choice because that's where you had to live. Ladies and gentlemen, there is evil and there is good. And if you do not pick a side, then by default you are on the evil side. That is really how it works. So now let's get to some of the positive stuff as we uh, get towards the close here. Uh, we covered it yesterday. It was happening as we were doing the show yesterday. Uh, Elon Musk went to Israel and toured uh, some of the areas in the south that were attacked by Hamas. I want to show you a quick clip of that. Into the kibbutz itself. This is the house of on his way back, he noticed several terrorists that were right over here. It's a, it's a symbol in the kibbutz. You have kids inside, mothers and the fathers running around with them. But it's holding shells, specifically of a negative. 
that was used here in order to protect them. Here's a, a little more video of uh, a mother who had her son uh, kidnapped by Hamas uh, showing the video to, uh, to Elon. no audio on this one but here she is showing the actual video and he there he is he's he's just watching it he also watched the 47 minute there's a 47 minute compilation video of the atrocities that that we're, we're not even going to show you here i mean the stuff literally it is it literally happened there are many journalists who have verified it elon has now seen it them cutting open a pregnant woman and taking the fetus out and letting her bleed out as they showed the baby to her i mean things that are if they were in the movie saw you would say this one is too over the top. Uh, here is Elon Musk now talking about uh, a better way to uh, to go ahead and, and how do you figure out what's gonna happen to Gaza in the future? It was uh, certainly been an, um, a day, I would say an emotionally difficult day uh, to see the places where people were murdered. I just did a talk with the, pr the Prime Minister and um, I think there's I mean, obviously, there are three things that need to happen in the Gaza situation. I mean, there's no choice but to kill those who insist on murdering civilians. There's no exactly. choice. Um, they're not going to change their mind. But And then the second thing is to change the, the education so that a new generation of, of murderers is not trained to be murderers. And then, the, and then the third thing, which is also very important, is to try to build prosperity. You know, it's interesting because he's right, of course, yeah, and this is what Israel's stated goal is, right? The goal is you must kill every Hamas member, period. And you're going to have to kill the ones that are in Qatar, too, the billionaires who are running the thing. You're going to have to kill all of them. So it was great to see some moral clarity. It was great to see someone picking a side. That was number one. Then you have to change the education system. By the way, he could be talking about America in this case, too, right? You have to change it so you don't grow generation after generation with all of the wrong ideas and who are breeding other murderers and all of those things. And then the third one, which is the most interesting one to me, is that you have to fix the economic situation. Now, the irony of that is that that's exactly what Israel tried to do when they left, right? They left them with greenhouses. They had they left them with uh, infrastructure. The UN and all, and the WHO and all of these organization, organizations, they put billions, literally billions with a B, worth of dollars into the Gaza Strip so that they could build a fully free functioning society. And the Israelis said, we want nothing to do with you freaks. But what did they do? They decided to build a freaking war machine. And the war machine is actually quite effective at spreading mayhem and medieval barbarity and everything else. Uh, so Elon is right about that. The problem is, this is like a chicken or the egg situation. If you still have all of these people who want the murder, want the mayhem, want to meet the 72 virgins and everything else, then what are you going to do? Uh, here's audio, uh, Elon uh, talking about how Hamas is actually anti-human. And when you have an anti-human force, there really is only one thing you can do with that. If you want peace, destroy Hamas. If you want security, destroy Hamas. If you want a better life for the Palestinians in Gaza who've been hijacked uh, by Hamas, destroy Hamas. Uh, all of that is a precursor to the question that you asked. You first have to get rid of the poisonous regime, uh, as you did in Germany, as you did in Japan yeah. uh, in World War II. These were two. There's no choice. There's no choice. Uh, so uh, that, that's this, a prerequisite. Yes. There's no choice. Isn't that interesting? It's not that hard to take a stand. It's not that hard to pick a side. There's no choice. 
These people are here to destroy everything that is good. They are here to kill people and murder people and kidnap people and do things that we could not have possibly imagined humans could do less than two months ago. So you do have to pick a side, right? Uh, and it might be surprising, I suppose, to some people to hear Elon taking such a clear stance. It was very refreshing, but it wasn't surprising. It was refreshing to me because people are so afraid of taking a stance these days, but knowing what I know about him, it wasn't surprising to me. And I would also argue that this is a guy who has spent most of his adult life trying to figure out interplanetary, interplanetary travel, trying to figure out what the preservation of the good stuff on earth will be and then allow humans to take that out into the cosmos. Like, this is the good guy in this situation. And I wanna just end with one other video. This is Elon Musk uh, a little while ago talking about Google co-founder Larry Page uh, because uh, Larry Page basically believes, well, believed or maybe still believes uh, that uh, you can basically create God through AI. And the question that Elon poses really, that I think we are all gonna have to think about as, as AI becomes more and more ubiquitous, and as I said yesterday, as, the, as Skynet turns on, are you pro-human or anti-human? Do you think computers can create gods and we should just be little cogs in their system? Or do you think that there is something uniquely important about being a human? Well, I think I probably know what you think and I think you definitely know what I think. Anyway, take a look. I mean, the, 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 the reason uh, OpenAI exists at all is that um, Larry Page and I used to be close friends, and I would yes. stay at his house in Palo Alto, and I would talk to him late into the night about uh, AI safety. And at least my perception was that Larry was not taking uh, AI safety uh, seriously enough. Um, and um, What did he say about it? He really seemed to be one um, once sort of a digital superintelligence, basically digital god, if you will. And at one point, uh, I said, well, what about, you know, we're going to make sure humanity's okay here. Um, <laughs> and, 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 um, uh, and then he called me a speciest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did, he use, did he use that term? Yes. And there were witnesses. I wasn't the only one there when he called me a speciest. And so I was like, okay, that's it. Uh, I've, yes, I'm a speciest, okay. You got me. <laughs> what are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm fully specious. Um, busted. Um, so um, that was the last draw. All right. So that's our last video today. And I think you got what I did there. That Elon Musk, the people that are fighting for humanity, who are fighting for the West, who are fighting for freedom, it's not just that we have to fight Hamas. It's not just that we have to fight all the indoctrination and the woke and the stuff that Mile is doing down in Argentina and all of those things, but we have other fights on the way. We are literally going to have to fight the robots and the people that want to create digital gods. And I get it, it's all a lot. But if you are pro-human, you should be anti-Hamas. You should be anti-mainstream media. You should be, well, you should be a, speci a speciest, right? You should be because we're a species and I would like to see us continue to thrive. Pick the good guys, pick the bad guys, pick a side. The, the time of choosing is now, man. The time of choosing was a while back, but it is, uh, it is definitely on. 
Uh, that was quite a program today. I have to say that uh, my manscaped balls have never felt better. I hope yours do too. Uh, People of the Internet will be live as always at 1 p.m. Uh, if you have not subscribed to us, please join us on Rumble at rumble.com slash Ruben Report. We got a post game show in just a moment at rubenreport.locals.com. Oh, and uh, I mentioned that we did do an interview here in studio. Uh, with David Friedman. I, I had no intention after interviewing him six months ago in Israel that we were going to interview him again so quickly. He happened to come to Florida for a couple days. Let me just show you a quick little promo of that, and the full thing is up across platforms. One of the important perspectives here is think about, um, you know, 1,200 um, people were slaughtered on, on the uh, 7th of October. So to compare that, for example, to the Holocaust, right, that event in Holocaust terms, happened every day for four years. Picture October 7th every single day for four years, and that's the Holocaust. And we survived the Holocaust, right? So we're going to survive this. Um, but we're not, we're not, you know, we're not our parents or our grandparents, you know? I mean, I'm not as tough as my grandparents were. I mean, I didn't grow up that way. I grew up in a very comfortable life as you probably did, and everybody else we know, right? Well, we both grew up in Long Island, about three three miles away right. from each other. It was okay. We're, yeah. we're not cut out. We're not cut out for this. We're not cut out to be, you know, t ripped away from our parents and stuck in a, in a in a hole in the ground. I mean, that's not what our gen. Thank God, it's not who we are. Um, so now, you know, this 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 episode is uh, is causing all of us to think about what we're made of and how strong we are and how we're going to survive. We will survive, but um, it's causing everybody to really rethink all their assumptions. I've been thinking about that last line, right? We will survive, but all of us, and it's all of us. Again, I keep saying this isn't about the Jews, this is about everybody. You live in a Western country, you live in UK, Spain, does not matter right now. Ireland, et cetera, Argentina. Like all of us have to think a little bit more clearly because yes, we will survive, humans will survive, but will we, will we be better on the other side? Will we be handing our kids something better than we were handed? That is up for debate, and that is the challenge for all of us. Uh, I leave you with a cold close. We didn't, did I even say Joe Biden's name on today's show even once? I don't, who, what has Joe Biden been up to? Well, here you go. Uh, it's good to see you again. We had dinner last night. I told you, you sat next to my wife, you were so captivating, I was worried she liked you more than she likes me now, I don't know. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.